Anyways, welcome back to Game Over Winnipeg, everyone. I was saying to Alex before we turned on the show, I was like, what's the opposite of tech savvy? That's me. So I guess this early stretch here has had no audio except for from Alex, but uh, it's good. We haven't gotten into anything yet. So uh, here we are. I believe things should be working on my end now. Julian's in the chat holding me accountable here. So wait for the go ahead from him and then we will get going starting on the game. So one thing in particular that I noticed this evening, Alex, was... The penalties. I think that's kind of the big, the big storyline of the game for me is that a lot of this game was played at five on four for both teams. Winnipeg Jets had definitely more power play opportunities than the Sens did in this game, but we definitely got a chance to see the f- special teams on display from both teams this evening. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I was just looking now. The uh, I mean, obviously the end and all the stuff at the end kind of inflates it, but the penalty minutes are thirty eight to fifteen. Uh, Ottawa was thirty eight there as well. Um, yeah, it's interesting that, uh, well, I, I guess I shouldn't be too surprised because both these teams' power plays have been a crucial part of the season. Um, you know, for Ottawa's perspective, it's been basically the only thing keeping them going. Um, you know, if they're not scoring on the power play, they're not winning a lot of games. And, uh, you know, Winnipeg obviously has so much talent that their power play is always a threat as well. And, um, yeah, so it, it got to the point where, from Ottawa's perspective anyways, I thought it was just a lot of undisciplined plays that led to penalties. And and the most disappointing thing for me watching the game was it was a lot of their big players. Um, you know, I'm kind of used to seeing some of their bottom six maybe take penalties and just because it feels like they're a little higher up in the lineup slash in the NHL as full-timers when they're maybe not ready for it. But to see, you know, Stutzla took a penalty, a couple penalties tonight. Uh, Branstrom took a not great penalty. Norris took a penalty as well. Um, you know, that that really hurt the Sens. And obviously the Jets got the the first and fifth goal, I believe, came on the power play. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you could say the same for Winnipeg there too. There was, um, you know, a couple weak ones on both sides, I thought, but also just a couple really undisciplined plays that led to, to power plays. Absolutely, yeah. And I think, um, you know, one thing that I feel like I, I look at a lot when I'm watching a game, I just look at the line matching. And uh, so, like you said, the bottom six, it's, it's kind of expected that they'll tend to take a higher percentage of the team's penalties than the top six because kind of they just know that by nature of them going out there, it means they're being matched against the team, um, the team's top lines, and they're going to be doing a little bit more defending in order to give more room for the top six for their own players to go out. So, like you said, seeing that from your top players, it's... It, it, it tends to be more undisciplined when it's in the top six, just because usually, yeah, like they're they should have a little bit more control over what's going on out there and whatnot. Like the Mark Shifley one in particular, from the Jets' perspective, it's like, what are you doing there, buddy? Like you got you gotta have control of your own stick, and in a situation like that, there's no need to take a penalty. There are obviously times when you know if you're defending a certain kind of play and something like that, like the penalty is almost inevitable. Tonight, I didn't find that there were any of those. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. The, the Mark Shifley one is one of the <laughs> laziest penalties I've seen in a while. And to the point where I had to tweet, I was like, oh my gosh, like that, that's a really bad play. But, um, you know, for how undisciplined the, the things were to lead to the penalties, I did think both teams' penalty kills looked pretty strong tonight. Uh, you know, agree. Ottawa obviously gave up the two, but I thought generally speaking for such a dangerous power play, they did a good job holding the Jets. And then on the Jets side, I really liked how aggressive their penalty kill was. Ottawa, they're at their best when they can move the puck around quickly around the edges, get a couple passes and let one of their shooters take a one-timer. The Jets did not give them any time to do that. And I was really impressed with how they handled and pressured Ottawa, really. 
Yeah, I noticed that too. I was actually gonna gonna bring that up in particular to Ottawa's penalty kill earlier on. I found that it was one of the more it was almost more aggressive looking than I think I've seen from a lot of teams this year. Like there was more pressure on the outside boards and things like that, and and it gave the Jets a lot less room to set up. Like the Winnipeg Jets, a lot of the strength in their power play comes from the fact that all five of the players on their first unit, which had the most of their power play time tonight, can be shooting threats in their own capacity. Obviously, you have you know Nikolai Ehlers, Mark Shifley, Josh Morrissey. Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois, all of those guys in their own particular corners are are threats. And I thought that there wasn't enough room for them to get set up in the way that they wanted to tonight. And I I wasn't sure, you know, going into this game if Ottawa had a good penalty kill or a bad ke- penalty kill because it was it was so fluid and aggressive. I was like, is that good because they're they're pushing like that, or is it bad because they're scrambly? And I I wasn't hundred percent sure, but then as there, you know, were more power plays as the game went on, um, I decided yes, it was a good penalty to kill yeah i think when you're more aggressive you know there's got to be a balance obviously you can't be running around to the point where you're leaving people wide open in front of the net which honestly ottawa has a tendency to do at times but i don't know if that's that's because of the aggressiveness or because they kind of get caught puck watching at times but yeah i think when it comes to the penalty kill it's it's a lot better to be especially for the two forwards you know the defensemen yeah they got to clear the net they got to stay strong in the corners and whatnot but the two forwards need to be pressuring the people on the outside so they don't have free reign to just move the puck around and and i do think that ottawa's penalty kill in general has been a pretty good example of that and especially they've gotten a guy like Tim Stutzla on the power play more this or on the penalty kill more this year and uh, you know obviously you don't want him diving around blocking shots or anything like that but his speed and skill make him such a threat to take the puck back the other way as well that it's been really enjoyable to watch and I think you know the results show from it as well that where you know there are times where a team just can't get set up on the power play because of how aggressive the forwards are going at them and, and you know when you can't get set up, you're obviously not going to be able to create much, and that turns it. That's exactly what you want when you kill the penalty. Absolutely, and I definitely noticed that tonight. And I, I'm always interested to see the personnel that other teams deploy when it comes to their penalty kill. Because of the Winnipeg Jets, I find that they have their staple guys, but they've been rotating a lot of other guys through this year. And I remember it's not like it was you know a game changer or anything, but a couple years ago when Leon Draisaitl first started playing on the penalty kill, it was so cool because just like he jump on those those loose pucks and if the the passes weren't crisp enough up top he would he'd be able to jump on that and he was scoring those shorthanded goals and you know people were losing their minds and we were all shaking our fists at the cloud because Leon Dreisaitl is notably bad at defense but it's like this it's a very unconventional type of defense and it's a different style of play so someone like Tim Stutzla I feel like has a lot of potential for that kind of thing so has he been playing for long uh on the penalty kill or is this a relatively recent change that DJ Smith has made? Yeah, I only really started to notice it, honestly, at the back half of this year so far. Um, He definitely didn't play much at all last year on the penalty kill, so it's new to this year. But even earlier this year, I didn't notice it quite as much as I have recently in terms of, like, he's a staple on the penalty kill, it feels like, more and more. They they do have their classic bottom six guys in in Austin Watson, and Dylan Gambrell's been another steady one there. Parker Kelly and Mark Kostelik are, are two other guys they rotate through of their – you know, quote-unquote bottom six guys who like to penalty kill. But, you know, Stutzla's out there every second or third shift for a forward, and that's um, um, definitely more than what he had, I think, even at the beginning of this year. So definitely something that uh, I think as the year's gone on and and uh, Stutzla's gained more trust with his coaching staff, which has been a trend year by year in his career, that, you know, uh, DJ Smith is is giving him some more ice time in all situations. 
Yeah, absolutely. And on the flip side, looking at, um, so the Sens also had some penalty or power play time, pardon me. Uh, you know, there were a couple of calls. Josh Morrissey went to the box once. I believe Neil Pionk and Mark Scheifele, a couple of guys went there and there was, you know, some four on four time. But uh, I also thought the Winnipeg Jets penalty kill looked a little bit more fluid tonight. Usually they're pretty structured and pretty boxy in their own zone. It's worked for them. I don't have any complaints, but I thought in particular tonight they, they were a little bit more aggressive. Nate Schmidt, I thought, had some pretty nice uh, showings in the penalty kill, which which he doesn't always get out there on the PK because uh, that's not really his shtick. And I thought that he looked great in that situation. Uh, any thoughts on the Jets PK slash Sens power play tonight? Yeah, I, again, as I mentioned, I really like that how the Jets were pressuring Ottawa, especially along the boards there. Um, you know, Ottawa's power play has been quietly one of the better ones in the league this year. Um, they, again, like it's... There's some nights where, and even tonight is a great example, to be honest, where if they're not scoring multiple goals on the power play, they're just not winning the game. You know, they won against Pittsburgh on Wednesday night. I think they had four power play goals that night uh, and like nothing at five on five. And tonight was a lot of the same thing where I thought they had some looks. I, I really like, I mean, it, it obviously really helps a, a good penalty kill, you know, to have a elite goaltender in net and Connor Hellebuck no shock to anyone i'm sure looked real steady at times and not uh in that tonight where even when ottawa did get a couple chances here through the the jets penalty kill system you've got a wall back there that just doesn't look phased by anything even if it's some close shots you know like Ottawa had a couple really good chances near and in the goal line there and and you know hellebuck just looks unfazed and it's it's quite magical to watch you know someone be so calm and so good in the net Absolutely. It, it, this has been one thing that I find it so funny when I have uh, uh, like out of market guests come on the show and talk about the game and they'll talk about Connor Hellebuck and I'm like, oh, I barely noticed. I was like, he looked normal to me. And it's we're so privileged over here that like you said, yeah, like, you know, the penalty kill is as good as it can be. You have five professional hockey players against for professional hockey players, there will be times when the puck is able to sneak through. And so, you know, when you have a guy who can who can stop that from actually going to the net, it's huge because he's just as much a part of the penalty kill as everyone else in the ice is. So, yeah, it was definitely, you know, it's, it's nice to have that reliant force back there for sure. Um, but uh, Julian in the chat mentioned that, you know, it's a nice overall bounce back game to break the losing streak because, you know, as I mentioned, those Montreal and Toronto games are a bit rough. And he, and he points out specifically much better job of limiting the deadly mistakes that killed them against the Leafs and that was something that was huge last game at least from a Jets perspective not sure if you were able to catch any of that game but it was a weird game and it was frustrating for those of us who you know talk about it afterwards uh, for our jobs because it was so hard to talk about because it was like it was good but it was bad because so much of their play was consistent and great but their individual isolated mistakes were just put on full display in the game. You know, Mark Shifley having those defensive miscues and the players got burnt from those big, big mistakes. So it was only, you know, individually every now and then, but it cost them the game and it was weird. So tonight I thought that the Jets really tightened up their five-on-five play, even though we didn't get to see as much of it as we might have thought. Uh, I I thought it was pretty good. I I liked the line changes that Rick Bonus put out there. And uh, yeah, so any particular thoughts at five-on-five, what you saw from a defensive end of of the Ottawa Senators? Yeah, I thought the Jets uh, played really well tonight, Um, you know, and uh, it's weird because, you know, you mentioned that uh, the overall game felt feels good for the Jets at times and a couple key mistakes cost them. That feels like the, the case with Ottawa at times this year as well, where and even tonight, like I thought the Jets absolutely dominated that second period for about 12 minutes or so, 13 minutes. And then 
all of a sudden, Ottawa just kind of woke up for about five minutes right at the end of the period and decided, no, we're going to make this at least interesting and put like eight shots up in the span of five minutes. And and it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, where is this team at the time? But from, from a Winnipeg perspective, I, I definitely agree where I think they did a, an excellent job at um, controlling large parts of that game and just really, especially at five on five, not giving Ottawa too much to shoot at. Like I'm just looking now at five on five, Ottawa only had seven high danger shot attempts the entire game. You know, the Jets only had nine, so it was pretty low event both ways. Um, but yeah, like that even, and especially what really impressed me with the Jets was that third period, you go in with uh, a three, one lead and a lot of teams, especially, you know, teams, if a team's coming off a couple back-to-back losses, a lot of teams might want to come out in the third there and just kind of lay back, sit back and say, let's defend this lead and just try and get the two points. The Jets really didn't do that. They came out and took the play to the Ottawa Senators tonight. And and that really impressed me because I thought, you know, they could have came out, played a little slow, played that defensive, you know, let's just not make any mistakes. But instead, you know, they not only did they not make too many mistakes in, the, in front of their own net, they took the game to Ottawa and forced the Ottawa to make their own mistakes. Yeah, and I think that that's the, the type of hockey that – I want to see from the Winnipeg Jets because the fact that you said that they were tight on defense on five on five is just oh music to my ears because it's not something that if you look at the personnel that that you think is going to come and there were a couple of moments here there that I, th- I was like oh there's some miscues with you know Brendan Dillon Dylan Sandberg and Nate Schmidt I thought had a couple of moments of just you know if they if they pull the wrong pinch and then they're going off to the wrong side when defending the rush just a couple of moments here and there but like you said I thought it was pretty tight even up and for a team that is gifted offensively and as team defense is probably not their greatest strength if you rank things you know um I think it's important for them to continue to do that like you said to go and just continue to push when they have those leads instead of sit back and play steady team defense okay I just need to take a pause real quick because Jordan Feezy's in the chat uh and says great to see this after two stinkers Jordan Feezy Congratulations on the baby. Jordan from Twitter, our boy, welcomed his baby boy into the world yesterday, I believe. So congrats, Jordan. We're very happy for you guys. Um, Just thought I'd mention that. Yes, though, it was great to see that after two stinkers. And it's great to see them, yeah, continue to push and put the foot down when they're ahead because it led to a couple more goals in that third period that uh, just kind of helped, you know, kind of put the nail in the coffin. I, I was looking for an analogy there. I was looking for the right one. I don't know if that's the one I was looking for, but you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. It iced the game near the end there. And um, yeah, especially when, as soon as that fourth one went in, I was like, oh, that's game. I, I think I even messaged you saying, all right, when do we when do we start the live stream up? Because we, we could have started it right right about then, you know, and obviously just missed missed about 15 minutes in penalties. But I, I think most of those were just 10 minute misconducts anyways. But um, yeah, no, it, it was really impressive. And I, again, I just pulled up natural stature here. You know, they only the Jets only allowed 1.58 expected goals against this game at five on five. And I think it was close, not even two at all, so 2.29 at all situations. So, like, that's a that's a really strong defensive game. And it, it felt like that, too. Like, there, it just felt like for long periods of time, there was not many chances from Ottawa. And, and even the one goal they did have, I mean, it was a great set play off a faceoff with a release that, you know, I, I don't think you can really... Yeah, you can't really blame anyone on that, right? You just kind of got to tip your hat to Giroux and Norris on, on that play and say, well, they got us. 
I don't know. I was. I think I was watching the Ottawa broadcast, and the reason Hockey Night in Canada. I'm never 100 percent sure who is doing what, and but the board ads were all Ontario specific. So I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm watching the Ottawa broadcast. I don't know if there was more than one, but that's besides the point. They missed the goal on the Sportsnet broadcast because they were still talking in their TV timeout or whatever, and they go back and they're like, "Whoa, someone scored!" And it was so funny because yeah, it was that quick off the faceoff. It was so nice. Yeah, it was, it was impressive, man. You know, definitely the highlight of the game really for Ottawa because there wasn't much more to talk about than, than that. But that was at least at least something that they can pat their back on. Totally, yeah. Uh, before we keep going, I'm going to share a quick message from our sponsors over here at SDPN, great friends of ours at Sports Interaction. So if you think you know what way it's going to go, make your bet with Sports Interaction. Whether it's hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live and play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. 19 plus, please play responsibly. So you mentioned that there wasn't a ton for Sens fans to get excited about on the score sheet in that particular uh, game, but five goals from the Winnipeg Jets. I'm putting you on the spot here. Which of those goals was your favorite to watch from a hockey fan perspective, not from a Sens fan perspective, because they all suck in that capacity? Oh, geez. Uh, honestly, maybe one of my favorites, even though it was definitely the least meaningless, was the Cole Perfetti power play goal. Um, I haven't kept up with the Jets a ton this year, but it's nice seeing Cole Perfetti have success. That was a guy I really liked coming out of junior hockey and um, kind of wondered if he would find his way onto this team. And, and, you know, I'm just seeing, I just looked it up to see how he was even doing this year. I saw that's a seventh goal. So just as a, a neutral fan at hockey perspective, that's that's a nice storyline as well. But, um, you know, and then also I think watching the the first Nick Ehlers, the power play goal, um, that was the one from Josh Morrissey. That was that was an incredible pass across the ice to find uh, Nikolai Ehlers there. So I think those were definitely the, the first, uh, the fifth goal was the best storyline, but the first was the best pure goal, I think, of the night. Well, you might actually, this might be news to you, but the first goal actually was a great storyline as well. I put the Ehlers jersey up on the wall afterwards. Nick Ehlers is now the highest scoring Danish player in NHL history, which is super awesome. He passed uh, Franz Nielsen, I believe. Uh, super happy for the guy. Obviously, this year has been the worst for him. And I think the thing, obviously, the nicest guy seems so sweet. So fun to watch every single time he's on the ice. He's just awesome. Um, he's also so proud to be from Denmark. He love, 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 loves his country. So I am so happy for him for that. So that storyline was kind of like, I didn't even know that he was one point away from that going into this game. So that was a pleasant surprise for me. Uh, nice to see that for him. So I'm glad that you brought that up because I wanted to mention that and give him a special shout out because that was fantastic. And I also wanted to bring up Cole Perfetti as well. Did you see that one backhander off the post that he had earlier on in the game? I wanted him to score so bad badly after that I was like oh my gracious because tonight they finally put him on a line that I have been dying to see him on all year which is with Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois my dream lineup for this team has those guys as their top line and then um well as a like a 1a 1b kind of thing with Mark Shifley and Nikolai Ehlers and Timo Meyer, Bo Horvat, somebody, somebody else <laughs> um on the second line or the first line or whatever you want to call it there so 
I was really excited to see Cole Perfetti back on that line. I didn't get to see as much of them as I wanted to at five on five because of just the way the game worked and having guy those uh, two guys, particular uh, Cal Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois, having so much power play time. But I liked a lot of what I saw from them early on in the game. They they seemed to shift them quite a bit uh, early on at five on five, and and they looked like a lot of fun. So I think Cole Perfetti is going to see a ton of success with those two players, and I hope they give them some time to cook together and and gel and and figure out what's going on there because I think that line has so much potential. Kyle Connor, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Ehler, Shifley, Perfetti, Blake Wheeler, um, you know, all, all six of them were much, like way above 50% with Ehler leading at 90%. Uh, just one shot attempt against while he was on the ice in nine and a half minutes at five on five. So, um, yeah, I, I really liked what I saw out of them too. And it's nice, again, um, seeing a guy like Perfetti get a shot as well. Um, and then, yeah, it, Ehlers is one of my favorite non-Senators players in the league. He is just so much fun to watch. And I'm glad to see that, you know, after a, such a rough year for him that he's back, he looks healthy, and he's absolutely tearing up the league again. Yeah, I, I'm super excited. I'm hoping that, you know, he'll kind of come into his own. And I think he's been getting better with, with most games that I've seen and whatnot. But I think the All-Star break is going to come at an opportune time just so no no one has to push themselves too, too much and take a little bit of time for some well-deserved rest and and then hopefully cook into the playoffs there. So, um, you know, in this game in particular, again, it, it was strange, you know, some notable things for the Jets for me. I, I thought they weren't super great going into the zone at 5-on-5, five five, even on the power play as well. Anyone not named Nikolai Ehlers struggles to break through any team's defense, which I think is something that they definitely need to improve upon in order to see more success against stronger competition no shade to the Ottawa Senators but you know like just with every team they struggle with with that and you know hopefully if they can continue in this capacity and you know move into the playoffs they'll need to get better at that so that was something I noticed in particular but kind of beyond that there were a couple of like non-game specific things I wanted to talk to you about and that's specific to some rumors going around right now around like Matt Dumba and some other guys that are potentially on the trade market so um you know we're getting close we're about a month and a bit away from from trade deadline but we know the moves are going to start happening soon. What's coming for the Ottawa Senators, do you think? You know, what are they looking to buy? What are they looking to sell? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting month or so. I mean, it it seems crazy that a team with 43 points in 46 games and that are, you know, 10 points out of a playoff spot is even considering buying at the deadline. Um, But that's kind of where Ottawa seems to be in terms of, um, you know, A, I think Pierre Dorian trying to save his job here. You know, this has been another disappointing year. Um, last year was disappointing, but I think it was more than fair to expect it to be a disappointing year. You know, they did way too much talking in the offseason about how much they improved, but they didn't change the roster much last offseason. This offseason, obviously, they bring in Giroux, they bring in Debrinket, and, and the whole, you know, summer of Pierre and all that good stuff, and and they still fall flat. You know, they, they've been unlucky this year. Injuries have really hurt them. They've missed Norris for almost all year. This is his second game back, Um, you know, or third game back, I guess. You know, they missed... um a handful of other guys, their whole third line was out at one point, but um, yeah, it it seems weird to consider that they could be a buyer, um, but it wouldn't shock me just in terms of, again, a GM trying to save his job. I personally hope they stay away from any big splash. I I, I can definitely understand why they wouldn't want to sell. And that's mostly because 
I just don't think they have many pieces to sell off. Like their only pending UFAs are Austin Watson, Travis Hamannick, and Nick Holden. Uh, and I guess Cam Talbot. I don't think you're getting anything for those guys anyways. And honestly, if you do, for most of those guys, if you ship them off, the team might get even just better by bringing in a younger guy with some fresher legs. So um, I don't think they're going to sell anyone this year. You know, obviously their big uh, pending free agent is Alex Dabrinkit, but he's an RFA. I think, you know, even if he's not sure he wants to stay in Ottawa long-term, I think that's a next year problem. Uh, regardless, I think they figure out a one-year deal of some kind. Um, but yeah, when it comes to buying, I... I don't know what to think. <laughs> I really don't. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, Matt Dumba's name has been in the rumor mill. I don't think that would be a good fit for Ottawa. Um, you know, I, I, you know, Matt Dumba is not the player he used to be a couple years ago. Uh, he's going to be 29 when he demands a new contract. And I think that'll be a large ticket. And it's the worst um, time you know, Ottawa's, Exactly. And, and Ottawa's uh, quietly spent a lot of money over the past couple of years to the point where, like, if they want to sign to bring it long-term, which I think they should, like he's a 25 year old, he'll be 26 next year. You know, that's the kind of guy you want to lock into your core, not a 29, 30 year old. But if they try to sign Dumba to, you know, even, I don't know, a seven by seven or something like that, they're going to run out of cap room real quick to, to sign a guy like to bring it. So um, to me, I think if they were to buy at the deadline, which I, I'm, I, I'm against just in general, I, I think, but if they were to buy, I would actually hope it'd be a smaller name piece in terms of, and I don't know, even know who this would be, but a, a right-handed defenseman that, you know, not as many people are looking at where, you know, maybe it costs you a third or a fourth round pick, not a higher asset, like a guy like Matt Dumba, I think would cost. And and you probably got to treat him as a pure rental to, as well, which again, is kind of why I'm against buying just with how far out the, of the playoffs they are. Yeah, absolutely. I I've seen a couple things like, you know, circling around the concept of like Matt Dumba and whatnot, where it's like some people are speculating that it's almost like a quote unquote reward to the players to kind of prove to them that, you know, we do believe in you and this is kind of us giving that push. But like you said, a rental doesn't really make sense for a team like this. But I also, yeah, I, I don't know if you want them to sell either because they're they're on coming out of this rebuild type of thing. But uh, I think you mentioned almost a little bit of an oxymoron there, a right-handed defenseman that no one's looking at. I feel like so many teams are just like, they just, they're dying for right-handed defensemen and they're just... And there's, um, there's but, none available, right? Like. No. They don't, they definitely don't grow on trees, but it's the kind of thing that I think if the Sens are, I don't know. And I love to pretend I'm the expert on everything when I've probably seen like a max half dozen Ottawa Senators games this year. But to me, yeah, like someone who's maybe a little bit more off the grid who might have some term on them too, might be a better move for a team like them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's, that's the thing, right? Is, is how do you find that and who's trying to give that up and what does it cost? Um, you know, I, I would be curious to see, if a team like LA would be interested in moving a guy like Sean Walker or Matt Roy, Matt Waugh at all, um, you know, those are both un, uh, under the radar right-hand defensemen, but LA's in the heat of uh, a division battle. I don't really see why they would be wanting to move a piece. I think if you're Ottawa, that trade would have to include a roster player that would help LA now going back the other way. And again, I just don't know what the fit is there, but um, yeah, I think if Ottawa's going to add, it's got to be something that, uh, you know, it's it's it can't just be one of the top twenty names on the TSN trade board or whatever, right? Like it's it's got to be something outside the box and help this team long term because yeah, just simply giving up a third round pick for I don't know insert defenseman X here, I just don't think does the team any good right now or 
in the long term if you can't resign them. Absolutely. And especially, like you said, those top 20 names or whatever. I saw during the game, I don't know if it was Merrick or someone put out that they think that the asking price for Bo Horvat is like three players and a pick or something like that. It's like, no. I <laughs> I, I understand, you know, some teams are in the situation to do that kind of thing. But it's like someone like the Ottawa Senators, like that that's not what they need. They don't need you know, X number of months or years of Bo Horvat and lose three prospects that they've developed and, you know, have, have a future in the organization. It's just not the situation they're in right now. So, um, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. It'll be definitely interesting to see how the next little bit goes. I have a feeling, I don't know, Travis Hamanick, I feel like he's had some, like, I don't, was he, he was on waivers a couple times, I think, too, in the last couple of years. But, you know, defensemen go for anything. Any defenseman who's on a rental contract goes to the deadline. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get moved as a depth piece to some contending team or anything like that. But uh, beyond that, I, I don't know if I know enough about some of those other guys to see. But uh, definitely will be interesting. I think um, the last particular area I want to talk about tonight just because I don't know if it's salt in the wound to you, but it would be salt in the wound to me if I was a Sens fan. I just want to talk a little bit about Dylan DeMello. Did you notice anything about his particular game tonight? Anything about the player that you want to share? I personally am a huge Dylan DeMello fan. I've liked him ever since they brought him in. Um, was ready to burn down the Canada Life Center when I found out they weren't going to protect him in the expansion draft. Um, if there were any fires that night, it wasn't me, I swear. <laughs> um but uh, big fan of the guy. So uh, any thoughts on Dylan DeMello on your end? I love him. I was just about to say the type of defenseman they could use is a Dylan DeMello type. Um, you know, and it's it's one of those things where if you mention his name on Sense Twitter, you have half the people go, oh, man, I miss him. And the other half go, stop beating a dead horse. We get it. He's gone. And uh, and that's just been kind of the feeling since they let him go. Um, no, I think tonight was more of the same that, you know, I'm sure you guys have gotten used to watching him over the past couple of years. And I definitely, for the year or two he was in Ottawa, I got used to watching. And it was, he doesn't do anything flashy. And that's exactly what you want out of things, right? Like, um, he just plays a very, very smart defensive game. He doesn't make mistakes, you know. He's not going to burn you with his speed or anything like that. But you're also probably not going to burn him. You're not going to get lost when you you you're his man out front of the net or anything like that like again i, th I thought tonight he just kind of played the game that if you you know i exactly expected i i didn't um necessarily think he stood out but that's exactly what you want out of a player in dylan Demello who ate up you know almost 15 minutes at five on five and you know just played a perfectly solid defensive game Absolutely. I think, and I love the the beating the dead horse on Twitter. That's literally half of Jets Twitter when we bring up Dustin Bufflin all the time. It's like, hey, we get it. He's gone. But I'm like, no, I'm going to talk about him until he is like 90 years old. But no, I, I definitely, like personally, I, you know, I haven't, you know, I don't have a spreadsheet in front of me or anything like that. But I think I can pretty confidently say that that is my favorite move that Kevin Shovel in the office made is bringing that guy in. Man, oh man, every single night he is just fantastic. And, you know, if he has his rougher games and whatnot, he's still the third best defenseman on the ice at any given time. But uh, he's also been a huge part of Josh Morrissey's season, you know, having that reliable, steady partner he's able to play with. They complement each other so well. I love Dylan DeMello and I have lost a lot of players from the Winnipeg Jets that I really like. So having the one that got away being on my team and who's the one that got away for someone else instead of my guy 
feels great sometimes. So just wanted to bring that up. I know that uh, it's the kind of thing that I, I like to cement my own opinions sometimes, and I've always really liked him. And I feel like every game that I watch him, I just – I'm right. I, I, I become further right, further more correct, and, and it's fantastic. So uh, I think that's pretty much all on my end that mm-hmm. I have for this uh, particular game. Anything else that you notice in this particular matchup that you want, you know, that we haven't talked about that you wanted to, to bring to the air? No, not really. I, I think, you know, it was a pretty entertaining game for most of it. Obviously, it got, you know, one-sided near the end there, but even up until about five minutes left in the third, it was... Uh, you know, a close game that could have gone either way. I think Winnipeg deserved the two points tonight and rightfully got it. So, I mean, can't ask for much more for a Saturday night. Absolutely, yeah. And I, the Jets don't tend to show so well on Saturday night hockey. So I was very happy for that. But I think it's the kind of thing that uh, you mentioned in particular, the end of that second period, I was starting to get a little worried. Like when you have teams that have, you know, like the Ottawa Senators that have had a rougher couple of years and, you know, right now aren't in a playoff spot. Like it's easy, I I would think, to feel a little bit discouraged at times and stuff like that. But knowing that your team has that fire in them and is, you know, able to continue to keep pushing and keep, uh, you know, putting the foot down, even though when they're down a little bit and that, that energy is there and they're not giving up on themselves I'm sure it's definitely very encouraging and it it adds to the game being exciting all the way through when both teams are engaged in the 60 minute contest so that's about it from us Um, and someone in the chat mentions and the Leafs lost so all is well lol 100% agreed that's the the big you know cherry on top of a great game for me is you know turning on the the Leafs game and seeing that it's going over time and coming down and setting up the stream down here and hearing my dad go yes upstairs and knowing exactly what that was um, but uh, that's pretty much it from us here on Game Over Winnipeg tonight Alex it was a pleasure to have you on uh, before you jump off do you want to plug where can uh, Sens fans and Jets fans alike find you Twitter websites podcasts where can they find you yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was an absolute blast. And uh, yeah, anyone who wants to find my work, uh, it's all at lastwordonhockey.com. I have two podcasts, the Last Word on Sense podcast, and then the MNM Hockey podcast, where you can find wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and then, yeah, if you want to find just anything I do, NHL Sense and stuff on Twitter, I post everything there. And, and I love to always just kind of tweet about anything hockey and sports related in general. So definitely uh, go go find me over there. And that, that's the best place to find my work. Well, this is a great space for uh, people who love to tweet about hockey and anything sports in general, because that's definitely uh, our shtick. So that's that's fantastic. Alex, it's been fantastic having you on. For those of you who are watching right now, thank you so much for jumping in the stream. Don't forget to give it a like and subscribe to SDPN because there's so much more fantastic content. For those of you who are listening back, thank you so much. I hope that uh, if you didn't watch the game for any particular reason tonight and you PVR'd or listened back, you're very happy that you did so and you're able to catch what was a fun one from the Winnipeg Jets tonight. And last shout out once again i love these canadian games because that means there is a second stream going on on game over so game over ottawa right now mod has one of my friends jackson on there and they're chatting about the game i'm sure probably some similar energy of the jets fans being like phew losing streak avoided and the sense fan being like man i'm a little tired over here <laughs> uh but it was, it was a, t- a ton of fun having you on tonight alex and for those of you who are watching have a great rest of your night and we'll see you next time tomorrow jets play back to back so they're in philly tomorrow so i will see you there game over powered by sports interaction canada sportsbook